Hi there. Welcome to another QuackCast, a skeptical and sarcastic evaluation of quacks, frauds, and charlotte. Oops, sorry. <laughs> and then alternative and complementary medicine. This podcast is dated 11-1706, and today I'm going to cover the topic of chiropractic, its evidence for efficacy and its complications, as well as a few ad hominem attacks just for the fun of it. It's been a while, I know, since I last did a podcast on alternative medicine, but I do have a life to live that includes a family, other podcasts, and I actually have to earn a living. So this concept of spare time as I approach 50 is becoming increasingly elusive. This is brought to you as a side project of Pussware LLC, the publisher of the Purse of Plagers Annotated Compendium of Infectious Disease Facts, Dogma, and Opinion. Your Uber hyperlinked electronic guide to infectious diseases at pussware.com, where you also find the Purse of Plagers podcast, a bi-weekly review of infectious diseases, now type 1 CME accredited, or maybe type 1 diabetes accredited, I don't know happen to be a doctor in need of some easy CME, my podcasts are one way to get it. Now, if you do a search of podcasts and alternative medicine, the bulk of results will point you to many sites on complementary and alternative medicine, all of which are, well, garbage. There is always the excellent quackwatch.com, which is the source of all things quackery. There are a few skeptical sites, such as the Skeptic's Guide to the Universe and Skepticality being the best podcasts I have found to date. But there's a lack of podcasts that look specifically and only at alternative medicine. And this is a shame, for to judge in my neck of the woods, critical thinking and alternative medicine do not seem to go together, especially at our local medical school. So you are in luck. I am an infectious disease doctor practicing with a long history of interest in things skeptical and a Zaphod Beeblebrox-like arrogance. And I've decided that besides doing my infectious disease podcast, I will branch out in the other area of life and medicine that interests me and will be doing a series of short podcasts covering various aspects of alternative medicine. As Baruch Spinoza said, quote, I have made a ceaseless effort not to ridicule, not to bewail, nor to scorn human actions, but to understand them, end quote. This does not apply to me. Ridicule and scorn are two of my favorite approaches to alternative medicine because it is all so stupid and requires a healthy dose of what I like to call evidence-based ridicule. For as Thomas Jefferson said on another topic, quote, Ridicule is the only weapon that can be used against unintelligible propositions. Ideas must be distinct before reason can act upon them. Now, his was in reference to religion, not alternative medicine, but I think that the same thoughts apply. References are available on the show notes page and old podcasts are archived there as well. So, now on to the vicious screeds. So, let's get into our time machine, probably now trademarked by Apple, and go back to the last podcast. What did we learn about the history and theory of chiropractic? It is, shall we say, suspect. But the question is, does it work? The theory may be silly, is history goofy, but perhaps, just perhaps, it works anyway. And what are the complications? If it's not effective, is it at least safe? Quackery should at least be harmless if it can't be efficacious. And are there any other issues of chiropractic that warrant snide commentary? This and more in today's podcast. Tick, 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 tick. First, efficacy. Is chiropractic, when it's held to the standards of evidence-based medicine, cause benefit for disease processes? 
and we'll divide the evaluation of chiropractic into two areas, low back pain and everything else. For, as my son recently observed, the world is divided into three kinds of people, those who can count and those who can't. Well, why the divide? Well, low back pain is often a mechanical problem that responds to mechanical treatments. Regardless of whether or not you are releasing nervous energy by fixing a subluxation, and you are not, manipulating a sore back may make you feel better. You don't need to align a spine to make a bad back feel improved. And then there is everything else for which chiropractic has been tested for. That includes such things as asthma, bedwetting, angina, not all at the same time. And here there is probably zero, nil, nada, zip, zilch reason to suspect that chiropractic would work due to its complete lack of biologic plausibility. Not that I am in any way the least bit biased. So on to low back pain. What's the skinny? While I'm an arrogant, closed-minded physician, I assume that most people listening to this podcast are not physicians to your benefit. And I will explain some things that physicians out there may already know. Now, the creme de la creme de la creme de la creme in medicine is the New England Journal of Medicine. They publish the best and most definitive studies. As a rule, if it's in the New England Journal of Medicine, it's true. As much, of course, as anything in science can be true, all truth being contingent on the fact that one good experiment could invalidate everything you hold dear. So let's start at the top. What does the New England Journal of Medicine have to say on the topic of chiropractic and low back pain? Well, in 1998, they published an article entitled, A Comparison of Physical Therapy, Chiropractic Manipulation, and Provision of an Educational Booklet for the Treatment of Patients with Low Back Pain. In medicine, we refer to the journals that we read as the medical literature, like it's War and Peace or To Kill a Mockingbird. Believe me, this stuff is not literature. It is a little tedious to read, even for someone who's as fascinated by medicine as me. Anyway, in this study, they randomized 321 patients. These patients either received chiropractic manipulation, standard physical therapy by a physical therapist, or a little booklet on how to treat your back pain. Curiously and somewhat ironically, patients with sciatica, which is where the nerve really is obstructed, were excluded. That's the kind of the fun part of these clinical studies. Patients with imaginary blockages of the nerve, i.e. chiropractic sublocations, are okay, whereas patients with real nerve blockages are excluded. Irony is so sweet on the tongue. They were treated for a month and then followed for a year. The results? I will quote from the discussion. Quote, For patients with low back pain, we found that physical therapy and chiropractic manipulation had similar effects on symptoms, function, satisfaction with care, disability, recurrence of back pain, and subsequent visits for back pain. Although chiropractic involved more visits than physical therapy, the total time spent with either a chiropractor or a physical therapist was similar, as was the cost of the treatment, end quote. So the take-home message of the article published in the best medical journal we have, if you have low back pain, then chiropractic is no better or equal to physical therapy. Now, keep in mind one issue to be discussed later, potential complications. They may be the same in terms of outcome, but are they the same with risk? If you go to a physical therapist, not much is going to happen. But what might happen if you go to a chiropractor? Keep that in mind. Now, what do other journals have to say about low back pain and chiropractic? The next tier of medical journals is probably the Annals of Internal Medicine and JAMA, although Annals has been somewhat suspect in their critical thinking when it comes to alternative medicine, as those of you who have listened to prior podcasts know. However, the Annals did publish a meta-analysis about chiropractic and low back pain. 
I know I've said before, meta-analysis, schmeta-analysis, but sometimes a meta-analysis is the best way to figure out what the results are from a wide variety of disparate studies. They looked at both chronic low back pain and acute low back pain, and they found the same thing in their meta-analysis. Looking at, quote, 32 randomized controlled trials, spinal manipulative therapy was superior only to sham therapy, and this is only a 10 millimeter difference on a 100 millimeter visual analog scale for pain, where therapies judged to be ineffective or even harmful, end quote. So if you have chronic low back pain or acute low back pain and you get chiropractic, your chance of decreasing your pain is real, if somewhat minimal, and it'd be about 10% on a scale of 1 to 100. So if your pain is a 90, you'll drop it to about 80. Not real impressive in my mind. Now, I love that phrase in the article, therapies that were judged to be even harmful. Keep listening to see why because I don't think that chiropractic is harmless. To continue from the Annals article, quote, spinal manipulative therapy had no statistically or clinically significant advantage over general practitioner care, analgesics, physical therapy, exercises, or back school. Results for patients with chronic low back pain were similar. Radiation of pain, quality study, profession of the manipulator, and I'm a real manipulator, and use of manipulation alone or in combination with other therapies did not affect these results. Their conclusions, there is no evidence that spinal manipulative therapy is superior to standard treatments for patients with acute or chronic low back pain, end quote. So, it would appear that for well-done studies of low back pain, chiropractic has nothing to offer and is no better than standard therapy. And the folks from the Cochrane Reviews agree. Low back pain is a common reason for which people seek chiropractors. And the Cochrane Reviews, who are sort of the uber reviewers of the medical literature, looked at 39 clinical trials with chiropractic and low back pain, and they found, quote, there is no evidence that spinal manipulative therapy is superior to the other standard treatments for patients with acute or chronic low back pain, end quote. They found the same thing for neck problems. They discovered 32 clinical trials and found, quote, the evidence did not favor manipulation and or mobilization done alone or in combination with various other physical medicine agents. When compared to one another, neither was superior. End quote. So the consensus is for neck pain and back pain, chiropractic is no better than all the standard therapies that your physician would apply. Now again, keep this in mind. We're going to get to the complication part next. I know I am quoting the meta-analyses here, and there are always methodologic issues with meta-analyses, but I've plowed through the original literature as well. A tedious reading at best if you're an infectious disease doctor, and I have not found fault with the studies I have read nor the conclusions of the of the meta-analysis that I have reviewed here. I think it's safe to say that chiropractic is no better for back pain than your standard run-of-the-mill therapies. At least with low back pain, you get a wee bit of biologic plausibility. And sometimes in medicine, that's all you're stuck with. Is there biologic plausibility for what you're going to do? Your back hurts. It feels better when someone manipulates it, be it a chiropractic or an osteopath or your wife or husband or whatever. This has nothing to do with subluxations and nothing to do with the blockages of energy. But what about other diseases? Following have been looked at in medical journals and chiropractic has found to do little or nothing. Asthma. This one was done in children and published in the New England Journal of Medicine. 
this kind of study is potentially dangerous in my mind. And to get children enrolled in a study with chiropractic boggles the mind. And I have to wonder how it got through their institutional review board. I think it's one of the few published medical studies of child abuse. But in asthma in children, chiropractic did nothing. Tension headache, published in JAMA, didn't do a thing. Hypertension, published in the Journal of Hypertension, didn't do a thing. Other studies that were published in quality medical journals, dysmenorrhea, bedwetting, infantile colic, migraine. In all of the quality journals, chiropractic was found to be useless. Now, there are a series of bad studies published in the Journal of Manipulative Physiology and Therapy, which is a chiropractic journal to be found in Medline. In these studies, they always somehow find positive benefit. They've looked at hypertension, duodenal ulcers, fibromyalgia, and angina, and found chiropractic manipulation to be of benefit. Now, I would say that these studies, when I've read them, have had small numbers, and given that they're done by chiropractors published in a chiropractic journal, I'm not surprised that they showed positive studies. Now, there is a rule in quackery, as in all of pseudoscience. The better the study, the better the journal in which it is published, the less the effect. And in the best journals which publish the best studies, the effect is usually zero. When what you do makes no sense and violates most, if not all, of known physical laws, when you subtract investigator bias and patient's potential wishful thinking, you are usually left with no effect. It is true of psi, it is true of alternative medicine. But at least our tax dollars don't support this kind of nonsense. Oh, uh, yes, they do. I'm sorry. But that is a topic for another podcast on another day. How our tax dollars are wasted on alternative and complementary medicine. So maybe chiropractic helps your low back pain and it doesn't do diddly for anything else. Is it safe? Will it hurt you? Will it harm you? Well, this is the most interesting aspect of chiropractic because there are known complications from visiting a chiropractor. Vertebral basilar accidents, i.e. strokes of the vertebral artery. These are the arteries that feed your spine. They pop your spine, they rip your artery, and they paralyze you. Strokes, blindness, spinal disc herniation, vertebral fracture, subdermal, subdural hematomas, which is blood between your brain and your skull epidural hematomas, which is blood in your spinal cord, and fractures of your temporal bone, which is one of the bones of your skull, as well as nerve impingements and cauda equina syndrome, where you get pressure on the nerves at the end of your spine. All of these have been reported after manipulation. The worst of these injuries are strokes that occur after manipulation rips an artery. It happens. I've seen it. And the studies in demonstrate routinely that chiropractic manipulation is an independent risk factor for stroke. Now, the Wikipedia, which many people go to first, quotes a chiropractic study that says the risk of stroke is low and determined that the greatest risk of manipulation is when you manipulate the first two vertebrae of the spine. This quotes a Dutch article which I could not find, that estimates the serious complications of chiropractic are about 1 in 400,000 manipulations. However, this is the study that fails to look at two other studies that have looked at the risk of having complications after chiropractic manipulation. The first was a survey done in California for the American Academy of Neurology. They just simply asked, has anybody seen a chiropractic complication in the last two years? 
within 24 hours of chiropractic manipulations. What's amazing is they had 486 neurologists of whom 177 responded. And of those 177, they had seen in the prior two years 55 strokes, 16 myelopathies, that's where your nerves are injured, and 30 radiculopathies, same thing. Now, this is pretty amazing complication rate. And most of these patients, they said, had persistent neurologic defects three months after onset. And about half of them had marked or severe deficits. These were not minor complications. A recent French study found rates even higher. They interviewed 133 physicians and found 93 cases of complications. Most of these were radiculopathies, which is where your nerves get injured. But approximately 50% occurred at the cervical level and had significant side effects. The incidence of vertebral basal strokes in this study was 30 times higher than had previously been published. So the risk of chiropractic is not small, and it's real, and it's catastrophic. Simply put, you can tear an artery that leads to your brain or your spine and get a stroke or paralysis. I've seen it. Now, to my way of thinking, getting a therapy based on a superstition that doesn't work should at least be safer than therapies that do work and have less potential risk. This doesn't seem worth it to me. So you are young and you want a stroke, perhaps you should go get a chiropractic manipulation. But wait, you argue, medicine kills people all the time. You doctors are dangerous. Yeah, so what? Now, if you quote again the Wikipedia, they say that the complication rate for cervical spine surgery is 3 to 4%, and they quote an estimated death rates from the CDC of 4 to 10,000 per million neck surgeries. Yes, that's true, but medicine works. And I want to point out when you read Wikipedia that you only do neck surgery for severely neurologically impaired people who do not respond to conservative therapy. I know this from experience, as I got my neck herniated, and I had nine months of really bad neck pain. And it was only after I could no longer lift my arm to drink my coffee that I had surgery on my neck. It hardly seems appropriate to compare the risk of death for a surgery for a severe medical problem than it is for getting your back realigned for an imaginary subluxation, especially since the chiropractors often want you to come in for routine manipulation for, quote, back health, unquote. It seems hardly worth it to get a stroke for back health. It is entertaining also to read the annals review called Chiropractic, a profession at the crossroads of mainstream and alternative medicine. This was published in 2003 and written by two chiropractors. There's two things that are sad about this study. One is that studies that I would call negative, the people in this review refer to as equivocal. But what's even more depressing is they pass off complications like vertebral artery dissection as, quote, might represent idiosyncratic events or the aggravation of arterial dissections in progress, unquote. In other words, they see no relationship between ripping your spinal artery and having chiropractic manipulation and actually try and shine the light away from that horrible complication of chiropractic. I think this is one of those reviews that leads me to wonder about the editorial rigor of the annals. It is a complete whitewash of chiropractic quackery. Now, there are other complications and problems with being seen by a chiropractic practitioner. Now, the first and my next point is a little ad hominem attack. 
Because you need to remember that chiropractors are not the smartest knives in the drawer. There was a study in 1997 that looked at GPAs and medical practitioners. The average medical doctor had a 3.56 GPA in college, and virtually all of them had received a BS in college. And boy, do I have the BS. Chiropractors, less than half of them graduated from college with a BS, and the average GPA 2.9. These are C-plus students. The minimum requirement to get into chiropractic school was a 2.38 GPA, C-plus. You are trusting your health and well-being to a C student? I know, that's the arrogant physician in me talking. But if you're interested in my GPA and my undergraduate degree, email me and I will let you know. But I bring this up as chiropractors don't believe in nor probably understand the concept of germ theory. The majority of chiropractors do not believe in vaccination and do not let their own children get vaccinated. I mean, you need to get your children vaccinated. How else are we going to put those tracking chips in them? But more practically, what about, hmm, oh, I don't know, how about general cleanliness? Now remember, this is a group of people who are C students and don't believe in modern medical theory. So how clean are they? Well, it turns out it's not so good. Somebody actually went and cultured chiropractic tables, and they found they are kind of like a public toilet. I mean, ick. They found all sorts of bacteria and fungi on these chiropractic tables, including methicillin-resistant Staph aureus. But again, who would be surprised or worried? If it's blocked energy that causes the problems, not the bacteria, why should you worry about sterile technique and microbiology? But if you are going to let a C student practice their superstitions on you, then I suppose you get what you pay for. Nothing quite like an ad hominem attack. Now, I believe in the germ theory. I know it's just a theory. How can it be true if it's just a theory? But germ theory works for me, and I'm an infectious disease doctor, and it's my job to kill bugs for a living. So I'd also like to point out there was an outbreak of amoebic dysentery, of all things, in a chiropractic clinic that was doing colonics. This was published in the New England Journal of Medicine. What they were doing is not cleaning their colonoscopes, and taking the stool of one patient and putting it in the rectum of another. I mean, I believe in germ theory, and I wouldn't let someone stick an unsterilized, unclean tube in one of my orifices. But, as I said above, you get what you pay for. So, we're at the end. What have we learned in this podcast? We've learned that chiropractic is no better than what us evil doctors do for back pain that it is needlessly dangerous and causes catastrophic side effects, and that it has no effect on illnesses outside of low back pain. It is practiced by students with the lowest GPA in healthcare who neither understand nor believe in germ theory and the importance of vaccinations. And if you really want to know about chiropractic, go to chirobase.org. And as usual, all my references are on the website. So that brings us to the end of another QuackCast, an occasional review and rant on alternative medicine, brought to you by as a side project of Pusware.com, where you will find the Persiflages podcast, a bi-weekly review of infectious diseases, where you can even get free type 1 CME. This is copyright 2006 through Creative Commons. References on the show notes can be linked at QuackCast.com, and old podcasts are archived there as well. Send your hate mail and spam and questions about quackery to know it all at quackcast.com and I may answer it in the podcast. 
feedback would be of great interest, both positive and negative. I wouldn't mind being accused of being a tool of a medical industrial complex if you see fit. My one reviewer not on iTunes gave me one star out of five, but I do not know why. And if you like this, write me a good review on iTunes. It can't hurt. The music is by my son when he was 12, improvising on the guitar. And now, if you'll excuse me, I need to go get my chiropractic.